Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there. Welcome to ATL on 29 of Peachtree Hoops Power. We look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I am here with Glenn Willis on draft night. Uh, Glenn, what'd you think of the uh, Hawks draft hall? Well, I mean, I have to be honest, you know, when we talked on Monday night, I was uh, kind of cracking some jokes about, you know, Mr. Jalen Johnson, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he lands with the Hawks at 20 and, you know, to me, he's a project. Um, you and I talked about how, um, you know, a macro level picture, the Hawks need to be getting more experienced um, uh, and kind of uh, better built up towards um, having guys that can lean on their experience in the playoffs. But they, you still don't have to like trade this draft pick. I wasn't in favor of that. But, you know, he's a he's an interesting athlete um, that, uh, you know, is kind of as far as we know, he didn't test at the combine, but by all accounts is a, you know, pretty top tier athlete with some um, kind of fluid skills uh, to go with it. So I don't, I mean, I'd be surprised if he helps him this year. I'd be surprised if that's in the plan at all for this year, but picking 20th to get an outlier athlete who shows some, you know, promise um, from the standpoint of um, having the potential to add the skill that's needed down the line to, potentially be a nice hit at 20. I, I think they did fine. You know, I, we talked about my excitement for Trey Mann. He went 18, two spots ahead. Talked about how exciting a player yep. Kai Jones is. He went one spot ahead. So, you know, for when I look at who was still on the board, um, there's no one there. I'm like, oh, man, you know. I mean, Jared Butler, we talked a lot about him, but clearly there's um, – I, I don't want to speak as if I know, but so, something – I mean, he the, tweeted the, it himself that, you know – yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, he tweeted something to the effect of, hey, I'm healthy and ready to go. I've been cleared by the NBA, which, you know, there's some subtext behind that. I think when you tweet something like that yourself, right? Something about protesting too much or something, you know, I, I, there's nothing yeah. wrong with what he said and what him putting himself out there. Sure. But it wasn't just what well, I guess my point is it wasn't just the Hawks kind of reacting to whatever that situation is. And we hope the best for him. But, you know, I mean, like Keon Johnson uh, went one pick later and we talked about what a phenomenal defender <laughs> he is. We talked a little bit about Garuba, but he's in some ways as much of a project as Jalen Johnson in terms of both ends of the court kind of being ready to contribute and stuff. So there, there's nobody, everybody that I was kind of maybe would have felt like, oh, really, you know, Jalen Johnson could have got somebody who was, you know, maybe as good of a prospect from an athletic standpoint and can, 
expect to do more earlier. But, you know, the way the draft fell, they kept Cam Reddish. I don't know if you want to talk about that for a couple minutes, but they uh, kept that young man on the roster. You and I were both in favor of that. We talked on Monday, so that's, that's good, I think. Um, and I think they have enough wing depth that Jalen Johnson's not going to need to play, knock on wood, you know, you know, with all the injuries they had last year, you never know. But according to kind of to the plan, I, I think they did just fine. Right. And, you know, uh, I agree with you on that, uh, especially the part of, uh, you know, he's got an athletic package and he's a project. Schlenk pretty much said as much as far as the project part tonight, saying that, uh, you know, the, the Hawks are probably going to have to rely on College Park more now than they have in the past because, you know, the, the goals are higher. And, you know, you go back two years, three years, uh, if they had a young player that it was somebody they wanted to develop for the future, they just play them in the NBA. And now they're probably not going to have that luxury. And he said, you know, it's, it's probably a fair expectation that you know, you'll, you'll see these two guys in, in College Park this season. Uh, but I guess for me, I think that the big takeaway is, you know, you've got Johnson, an athlete that you pick at 20, Cooper, an athlete that you pick at 48, but Travis loves his passers. Like if, if you're not, uh, you know, he, I guess, you know, in, in drafting John Collins, Collins wasn't much of a passer, but since then pretty much everybody else has been. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Collins is, gotten better there but it was a you know a very low starting point i think he had like 20 assists in two seasons or something <laughs> like that um right. yeah so um but it's i do think that it, it you know especially it depends upon kind of how you envision what you have at the five if you're going to have a, a capella type a rim running type a lob type and someone who's um, not going to help you move the basketball as much, you know, like Capella's limited there, then that puts more emphasis at the power forward position to be able to have a little bit more passing there. And also what we saw defenses do to Trey, the deeper they got in this playoff was to throw two, two men, trap him, or use a second defender on him, and to not have anyone who can function in the short role, really, at this point in time, is problematic. And you have to hope with the kind of the baseline passing skill that Jalen Johnson has, if the rest can come along, if they can help him fix the shot and get him kind of workable in the other phases that, that maybe that's something he offers that um, they don't, they don't have right now. He, he even comes into the league as a better passer than DeAndre Hunter um, you know, who came in with a, a good face up game, good shooter. And he's added a lot, but kind of with his ability to attack a defender one-on-one, but the, um, the passing looks like it's coming along sometimes. Sometimes it's still a little bit rigid. So I think you hit on the hit the nail on the head there in terms of kind of the thing that uh, you hope uh, Johnson might be able to add that's, you know, quite a bit different from um, what they've had positionally in the last few years. Uh, this is – I would have much rather made this comparison in, let's say, 2015 than, than two weeks after his first championship, but – uh, it, it feels a little bit like the Giannis pick just because, you know, you've got a guy who's, you know, his size, you know, you've got the hands and you've got the passing and, you know, he's really good at transition. And that's basically what Giannis came into the league with. That that was like the three things that stood out about him. But I feel like, you you know, you need a floor comparison there too. And I don't, I don't even think that this is a fair comparison, but like, you know, 
I'm just trying to figure out for somebody like, let's say, Justice Winslow, like when you have a guy, you know, coming out of Duke, kind of a phenomenal athlete, played a different position, but like, you know, what what went wrong for someone like him versus what went right for somebody like Giannis? And, you know, where does, where does Jalen Johnson fall in between in, in that spectrum? Because, uh, you know, you've got the high-end comp and I'm just trying to figure out the right low-end comp. Right. Yeah. That's, I think from a process standpoint, it's similar. I mean, no one is expecting, you know, a a multiple time MVP, you know, when you're picking 20th. I mean, even the Bucks had to think that was a really unlikely outcome and you only have to go back, you know, five years when we were all kind of like, what is he really going to be? You know, Um, you know, he overcame, (laughs) you know, Jason Kidd being his head coach for a while and stuff. And, and Giannis, by, by all accounts, is just, uh, an epic worker, you know, right. and, and really That's... fierce and kind of, and so, you know, and, but again, are you going to hold anyone to that standard and say that's no. where you have to be, you know, because that's off the <laughs> chart, right? So, but when you're, I mean, drafting 20th and the Hawks having kind of a luxury of, you know, we talked about on Monday, they didn't have a hole in the starting lineup that they needed to fill, depending upon, you know, what happens to John Collins and, you know, there's been some noise that I might, move Gallo to that would be to make room financially to 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 add elsewhere at other positions I would think but they're you know they're they're pretty rotation solid right now minus you know figuring out what they're gonna do at the backup point guard spot and getting you know a little more depth um, in the front court especially with the Okongu injury and you have to decide is Bruno a good enough center for what they're trying to do this year so that's on you know we I guess we could say that those that's on the margins of your rotation but still important if you're chasing something big. And so I, th- I think they're at a point now where they have the luxury to grab uh, a, kind of a guy who is more of a project um, with, uh, you know, the athletic upside. Um, and, you know, he, he played at Duke and he was pretty well known on the um, kind of the pre-college circuit. Um, not always, I guess, maybe not always the best reputation. That, yeah, that's just based upon kind of, the tone of kind of what you hear in terms of um, him not staying made it to a lot of destinations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, He's you kind wonder, of in and out of a lot of places. Yeah. So it's like, is he wearing his welcome welcome out soon or does he just have really high expectations? And it's like, Hey, if, if this situation is not just so I'm not going to waste my time and risk injury, you know, I don't know what that's all about, but right. you know, in, in time, I think we'll we'll all kind of kind of see does he kind of buy into the development program and does he buy into the things that they ask him to do from a, you know, the things he works on where he does his work how he does his work things like that we'll we'll know sooner than later and uh, Travis tends to not make decisions without having uh, a pretty decent amount of information around things like that I think and he said you know that that came up like there wasn't. Uh, you know, Johnson didn't work out for the Hawks, but he had an interview with them at the Combine. When Johnson was asked about it, he's like, you know, I interviewed with a lot of teams. Uh, I don't remember much, but I remember that they were direct. And, you know, Schlenk said of that interview that, you know, they asked him about the fact that he'd been a lot of places and, you know, kind of some abrupt exits from some of those places. And uh, Schlenk said that he kind of owned up to it, you know, that uh, – Schlenk said that he himself uh, made a lot of mistakes as <laughs> as a teenager and he wouldn't expect really otherwise from his players, but uh, that, you know, he was forthright about it, which is really all you could ask from him. Right. And he's thought, you know, to, to kind of compare, <coughs> you 
he's not the DeAndre Hunter, a guy who kind of hit all the marks at that point. You know, <laughs> he's a little older. You know, right. yeah, and things different. like that. It's completely different. Right, but you you but you know Travis. The point I'm trying to make is that Travis used a lot of draft capital to go get right. DeAndre Hunter at four. Right, that's a completely right. different thing than what you're kind of yes. looking at at this point in you're the draft. A swing. So you are you are, and you're taking hopefully a somewhat or a reasonably educated kind of guess, uh, you know, around, around those sorts of things. And so, you know, like I said, I think the luxury is that the roster is at a point where they, I guess they decided they can kind of roll the dice a little bit and take it, take a swing at a guy with this kind of unusual upside and, and kind of, kind of see what works out there. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I must say that I kind of don't want to throw, his exit at Duke and kind of to the same basket as everything else with COVID and everything. I think everyone should have been empowered to make the decision they felt was best for them. So we don't know that that's the same thing. And I don't want to, I don't want to automatically yeah. assume it is, you know. Right. It's uh, it, it honestly reminds me a little bit just of the Cam Reddish pick and that Travis is sort of gambling on what he saw from a player in high school versus what he saw in college. For sure. Uh, uh, you know, and of course, there's, there's the immediate Duke analogy there too. But right. I, I just think that you know, all all these NBA teams are looking for an edge, and I think that's sort of one of the things where you know Travis has a track record now that he's he's willing to take a swing on somebody uh, if they have the uh, you know sort of national high school AAU reputation yeah. versus you know what did they do in their one season as a freshman in college. Right. And I don't know if you did you watch much Duke this last year? They didn't play no. a ton of games anyway. But um <laughs> I I I caught them when mostly when I was watching other players I was writing about or other players I was researching. I just happened to catch some and what a weird season for them. They they basically had no guard creators. Um and it was just they really struggled to kind of get into anything offensively. So in my mind that factors into sort of the optics around the guy that with that much talent and that who came into the program with that much visibility. Um in that, you know, he's not a guard and he needs to play with guards that have uh, sort of that baseline uh ball handling and creation skills. Hopefully he can add it down the line more than you more than the average player does at his position, you know, and kind of throwing into that passing and helping create and and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it, it was, I think it's important to note that it was a really, really strange Duke year last year. Um, and that, uh, to me, that factored into kind of what I did with what I saw him. He still doesn't really look like a basketball player to me right now. <laughs> um, I mentioned the, I made the joke on Monday about kind of a, a battle of network stars, looked like a guy who wasn't a basketball <laughs> player, you know. Right. You know, la- lapping the field of basketball with other non-basketball players, but um, but yeah, he's a project. So, I think I think I can have a have a little fun with describing how he how it struck me to watch him, but to know that that's not uh, what anyone kind of expects him to remain, uh, kind of going forward. And you know, hoping for the best for him and the team. Um, you know, I I, I root for that pretty much across the board on draft night. That everyone kind of. Uh, makes the most of their opportunity, but specifically the Hawks. Hope that works out for him. Hope it works out for the team. Uh, I want to get to Cooper in a minute, but before we do, uh, any stuff from the NBA at large that you know stood out to you? Teams that did just magnificently or horrifically, or uh, players that who's you know, however they moved up or down, uh, caught you off guard. Well, I mean, for me. 
Um, I was confused a little bit. At, I mean, I, I didn't expect this much trade activity. It, it was, I guess it's, it's kind of strange because I don't know that I, I have to assume that the, the draft and free agency has never been those two periods have never been this close to each other. And right. so I, I would have expected that teams would have maybe kind of stood pat a little bit and that they were kind of had all of their processes buttoned up for heading into free agency in next week. Uh, you know, essentially uh, Scotty Barnes ahead of Jalen Suggs is a real head scratcher for me. Um, <laughs> right. But, but Masai has a great track record of, you know, he, he took OG for example, and, you know, people weren't quite sure like, is he a wing right. or is he like a, a small bit? You know, what really is he? And that worked out. So, yeah, I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt, which is just in terms of how how I saw that. Um, Zyre, Zyre Williams went higher uh, than a lot of the projections, and I, I thought he would not be on the board um, when they picked, um, the Hawks picked. Um, I thought I thought Golden State did wonderfully getting uh, Moses Moody at 14. Um and then this the Wizards activity was I mean I I couldn't even guess at what the Wizards roster looks like <laughs> right this very moment with all the trades that they were in, in, involved in so uh, and then I lost I, track I, but it just seemed like every individual move it's like where do you hide Wizards. him on defense where do you hide him on defense like right I just for sure they never seem to do the, it just seems like defense just like they just do offense numbers and then defense will worry about that later. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what Rui is. That's what Denny is. And, you know, if they end up with, you know, Kuzma, you know, with this rust deal and yeah, it's just that. So Washington is kind of, kind of strange, um, you know, but you know, no one jumped out at me as like, you know, what are they doing or, you know, what, what are they doing? I, you know, I Jaden Springer falling to 28, you know, was kind of interesting to me when you see a guy like Quentin Grimes going at 25. See, there's, but, you know, that's every year. You're going to kind of individually, each one of us can kind of take our own um, kind of evaluation and our own view of the draft class and go, how is that one ahead of that one? But, you know, when, when you're trying to kind of think about how 30 – teams are approaching this you know we none of us can capture all the nuance that every individual team is kind of kind of working through so nothing jumped out at me i'm proud of detroit for staying put and taking Cade and not feeling like they had to kind of do more than that you know so i I, you know hopefully that 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 goes well and um and, and everything and like i said i think orlando did well to get get sugs and um and wagner exactly they did really well you know so uh, you know, look out of the division. I, th- I thought Charlotte had a pretty good night too, you know, um, you know, with, with some of the, the things that they were able to kind of move around. They got Kai, which will, you know, it, you know, you kind of think about Kai versus a Kongu, you know, in the division, you know, for a while. And, you know, both of those guys are fast and rim runners and, you know, kind of mo- good motor guys. So that that's interesting to think about. So it's, it's more of that in terms of a big, big takeaway that, I mean, we don't have to talk about it now, but the rust trade is kind of the the big thing that kind of kind of broke today. But for Atlanta, I think the the biggest news, apart from just learning who they picked, was Cam Reddish is still on the team tonight. Yeah, and I don't. This is sort of a separate thing. I don't think that this would have necessarily been something anything to do with Cam Reddish, but you know, I I do think. 
the Hawks would probably work in the phones pretty hard tonight. Like usually you, you see a little more, I don't know. I, I think they were in the war room pretty much the whole time from, from one to 48. Uh, yeah. There was no media yeah. availability. There was nobody milling around. Uh, yeah. I I still think that the deal with Indy was if Zaire was there at 13, I think Cam Reddish might be a, a, a baser next season and the, mm-hmm. the Hawks might have jumped up to get Zaire. That, that to me just feels like, even if you look at the Jalen Johnson pick and kind of look at that mold of projectable project, not skilled enough yet, you know, guy, you know, yeah. really good athlete. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks like, it looks like Zaire was kind of their top choice and they would have moved to get him. <laughs> the A plus version of that. Exactly. And then, and then Jalen, um, you know, cause Zaire has no questions around kind of, you know, where he, you know, how he did with programs and the reputation he developed and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then Jalen's the, you know, the, maybe the lower cost and, you know, a little bit more risk taking around that, which is appropriate at 20 and having not moved up. So that that's my guess from kind of looking at the tea leaves of what I think happened with the Hawks tonight. Obviously I'm not reporting any of that. <laughs> right. No, that makes sense though. Um, Sharif Cooper go. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I mentioned when we kind of did our quick, um, you know, talk through the point guards on Monday, I mentioned I was higher, higher on, on Trey Mann, and that and that seemed to be like against the consensus at the time. But sure enough, Trey Mann goes at eighteen, and Sharif's available all the way to, to forty eight. So um, another guy who I don't think is going to help them this year. I think it's going to make the I think the fan base is going to be excited. Hawks fans seem to love Sharif Cooper, and there's a lot to love about you know the kind of competitor he is. Um, you know, just uh, the kind of the swagger he brings to the court and things like that. And he's a good creator, good passer, can run the pick and roll. And, you know, there's absolutely no reason to think that at 48, if you can get a guy that you might be able to develop in the next year or two uh, into being kind of a full-fledged uh, backup point guard, I'm sure Sharif wants to be more than that one day. Maybe he, he will be. Um, and I don't put it past him. You know, he's, he is that kind of competitor and by all accounts, that kind of worker. Um, but, you know, not a shooter right now, really undersized defender um, right now. Uh, and so he's got, you know, some things to work on, but, you know, in kind of in contrast to their first round pick, kind of the intangibles all seem to be there and the work ethic uh, and, you know, all that sort of stuff seems to be there kind of from day one, which it got picked at 48. Um, you know, if he wants to be taken seriously kind of from day one um, helps to, to come with all of that. So, I think that's a great outcome at 48. You know, oftentimes at 48, you're, you know, almost in range, if not already there, of uh, looking at a guy who might go to a two-way contract. And it's not it's not out of the question that Sarif could play on a, on a two-way contract this year. We'll have to kind of see how the math works out. Um, you know, I assume they're going back to um, the roster limits of, you know, the prior seasons and not the bigger, you know, more flexible kind of, a number of roster spots like they had last year in the weird season. So, um, but I, I think that's a, a fantastic outcome and happy for Hawks fans who I'm sure, you know, kind of across the board are excited to see a local a kid that's popular uh, come, into the, come into the franchise. So when you get a value pick like that, and probably I'm, I'm going to guess that the expectation is that it's not a two-way contract. Right. I mean, I think they – I don't know how that works, you know, 
with the agents and stuff, I know that there's a certain point at which, you know, I think there are a lot of agents that just want their players to be unrestricted free agents and, and not get drafted once you get past 50 or something like that. There's a point in the draft where that happens, but um, I feel like there's a signal that this is not going to be a two way deal. And so my question to you is like, you know, you've, you've been driving the float in the Brandon Goodwin parade for a couple of years now. Uh, is, yeah. is, you know, is he going to be the third point guard and is this sort of bad news for, for, for Goodwin? Well, I mean, I, I think it's probably bad news for people who uh, like seeing Goodwin on the Hawks. Uh, I, I think Goodwin can find himself a, a I'm hopeful in, and I think right. Goodwin can find himself a better situation where on a team that who's, who's still rebuilding a little bit, needs a steady, you know, I, I call him kind of a, a veteran in that he's been around the league and had to work his way, you know, to the point that he is now. And he could be the backup point guard on, you know, say a team like Orlando or, you know, some team at that point, you know, and kind of what they're doing and help bring some stability and some professionalism to what other, what might otherwise be like a really young um, kind of, you know, roster. You know, like, for example, right. Justin, Ander- Justin Anderson – not a no doubt, you know, NBA player brought that to the Hawks, you know, in Trey's first season and, um, and, and kind of, you know, played some, didn't play some and all that sort of stuff. But I think, I think Goodwin could be a, a no doubt all season long back at point guard on a team like that. And, and it it makes sense for him and it makes sense for the Hawks to do a little better um, for their actual backup point guard. And which opens up space for, I think Cooper to kind of be that third one. If Cooper does start the season on a two way contract that I, I do think, there are a lot of teams that will signal or outright tell agents that, hey, let's start on a two-way contract. And then after, um, you know, all of these guys who don't have guaranteed contracts all season long, that usually the date is January 10. If they're still on the roster after January 10 or so, mm-hmm. that the rest of the season is guaranteed. And you'll see, you know, across the league, guys shake out of the roster and it'll clear a spot to convert a guy. So the, I, right. I, he might be a guy that starts in a two way right. and then come the end of January uh, has already, you know, kind of, there's been a commitment already that, that he'll be elevated to a normal contract by then. That, that could be, that's how it does work out for a lot of guys in this range too. It's not just one or the yeah. other. It's, it's yeah, been part of sense. the season on the two way and then we'll, then we'll convert you. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's a great get at 48. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people projected him to back into the kind of the first round and um, to to not use capital to move up, you know, five spots or whatever that they might have thought they needed to to get him and to kind of stand pat and, and not use that OKC pick tonight and to not move Cam Reddish and to get, the, you know, a, a project with the upside Jalen Johnson has and to get, uh, you know, a guy, Sharif, who was projected, you know, late first rounder across the board. I think that's, uh, I think it's a pretty good night. First of all, there's no such thing as the OKC pick because that's like, you know, it, it's like the protected first rounder that converts to second rounder. So we have to use the plural there because it's going to be second round picks. For that. <laughs> I just meant in terms of the the draft, <laughs> the asset, the asset, singular asset. Because uh, okay. I okay, yeah, I, it's OKC picks because there's yeah. there's just there's no way. But it, it feels you're, you're right. But. Uh, you know, since Trey's been in Atlanta, it, there's been this discontinuity every time Trey goes off the floor. You know, you're replacing him with somebody who just plays a different style than Trey. Right. And this feels like an opportunity, not like a guarantee, but an opportunity 
to maybe get someone who plays a similar style to Trey, like, you know, the, the, a little more continuity and okay, Trey's going to take a break now, but you know, here's somebody who kind of, you know, your, your Trey light, very light, right. but you know, right. to, to kind of play a similar style, but uh, an opportunity for Trey to, to teach a little bit too. You know, he, he's a veteran now. And, you know, he's going to have to share his bag of tricks as best he can, I think, because, you know, it's an opportunity for him to show someone who plays a little bit like him how to clean it up a little bit, especially with things like a floater. Yeah, yeah. But you don't think he's going to play 15 to 18 minutes? I'm just kidding. That's a perk joke. That's a perk joke. Go ahead. You can get your (laughs) perk jokes in. Perk deserves the jokes. Oh, there he cer- he certainly des- deserves them, and I'm sure he doesn't mind any form of attention. So that's all good. Um, but the other, I mean the, the other thing from a really nerdy side on Street yeah. Cooper is guys that are that small that shoot a set shot from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I've never understood how that can work. So you know, one thing to watch this year is he they develop him, and he probably spends a lot of time at College Park is. Do they try to get him to convert from being a set, having a set shot versus an actual jump shot? I would be more bullish if they could kind of get him more into um, jump shot mode. I I can't think of either in my own kind of, you know, limited, you know, coaching experience and then kind of having watched, you know, the league for a good long while, you know, how many small guys that are set, you know, right. shooters instead of jump shooters actually become consistent. It, I, I just don't know how you replicate that form um, without having a certain kind of lift and a way to hop in or step into that shot. You know, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So that'll, I say that because the shooting will be a pretty big swing skill right. for him, um, especially in terms of his own goal to one day, I'm sure he has the goal of being a starter. And that'll be a pretty big swing skill. So that's just, for me, that's probably something I'm keeping my eye on this year more than others is do they does his does his approach to the perimeter shot start to change uh this year something to watch for me yeah and Schlenk said that you know when they had him in uh he he liked what he saw in terms of the jump shot and said he shot well that day which again that feels a little bit like a small sample size disaster but I think he's more looking at technique and and things like that and I believe that you know if you look at Schlenk's track record in terms of drafting people that he thinks he can uh, work with in terms of shooting, I think the Hawks have a pretty good track record on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he has a little Lonzo thing going on. It looks like he's left eye dominant to me. He pulls a little bit from his left side. Um, much, much more centered than Lonzo when Lonzo came into the league, but there's just some things like that I'll be watching come from sort of my, my, with my coaching lens on is do they get in, into more of a jump shot and can they, um, center the release a little bit um, and and kind of work on that stuff because like I said that's a big swing skill but the passing is real the um, the, the decision making I think is great I know he was pretty turnover prone at Auburn but I think uh, you know he was trying to make plays for a team that needed you know a lot of playmaking you know right. um, so yeah at 48 hey sign me up yeah, you could take whatever swing you want at 48 absolutely uh, anything else? I don't think so. Kind of, um, you know, glad to have, you know, this one behind us. I I, I already see some kind of two-way contract, or, or two, I guess it's a two-way contract or 
Um, yeah, well, I guess it is summer some... camp agreements. So we'll no, there play are, for there you. are. Yeah. Oh yeah, summer... two. Yeah, two. Yeah, you could. It's, They're already it's coming out uno- tonight. Unofficial, unofficial. For sure. Yeah. You have to yeah. wait for the, after the moratorium for the official stuff, but sure. Right. So just something to keep an eye on is you know pretty quickly because of when summer league is and all of that. You know, um, if you're as excited about even the kind of the broader process that work to move towards a roster for training camp a 20-man roster is keeping an eye on who might uh, be agreeing to a two-way contract you know it was pretty quick a couple years ago when they got like charlie brown on a a two-way like right away pretty much um and summer league and and stuff like that so you know the next few days still some stuff to watch uh in that area two-way deals and guys committing to playing summer league and stuff so you know more to keep an eye on it before the uh Really big stuff happens next week. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, sir, and staying up late. Of course. Thank you for having me again, Kevin. Have a good night. And you.